episode of the Roots, Rednecks, and Radicals podcast. Today, we're going to learn something new and interesting in the world of Americana, Roots, and folk music. But before we get to that, I want to say a quick reminder to like, follow, and subscribe wherever you're listening to this. And if you're on social media, give me a follow if you haven't already. I'm on Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook. Just search up the name of the show and you will find me there. All right, let's get to today's episode. Today, I had a chance to talk with John Russell. If you're on TikTok, you've probably seen an account, um, uh, Hey John Russell or John Russell. Uh, it's this guy who's a, a bartender in Appalachia, and he talks about a lot of uh, political issues and economics and, and things like that. And it's just a super fascinating account because um, he's a pretty left-wing guy, and he's talking to a lot of people who uh, supported Trump. And his, his the county where he's from uh, went strongly for Trump, uh, but he had these really endearing, wholesome conversations with people and interactions with people that you just don't see much on the internet. We're so divided and so, uh, you know, just um, coarse all the time in our discussions of politics that oftentimes we lose our humanity. And what I love about his channel is that he, he, he talks about economics. He talks about what could actually be um, helpful and useful economically to people in rural areas um, who have been um, uh, subjugated to economic disparity for, for decades now. Um, but he does it with a sense of humanity and, and, and recognizing that these are, are real people um, who, who are, are living real lives and um, have real value as well. And I just love that about his, his channel. So, um, so if you haven't seen him uh, yet and you're on TikTok, go, go, go search him up and check it out. Uh, but we had a fantastic conversation about music. We talked about 90s country. We talked about politics. We talked about economics. We talked about uh, Oliver Anthony, um, the whole bit. So um, this is a fun, fun conversation. Hoping to have him back on the podcast sometime soon because uh, it was such a, um, an easy and uh, enjoyable conversation. So here you go. This is my conversation with John Russell. Cool. Well, I'm interested in in how you got started on uh, TikTok. That's the first time uh, I saw you, and uh, you got a huge following. And uh, it's such an interesting angle that you have working in a bar uh, in, uh, in in Appalachia. And um, it's just it just seems like a pretty wild story. So I was wondering if you could just tell us about um, how you got to where you are with that whole thing. Oh man. Uh, well, yeah. I grew up in the Ohio Valley where I live now, um, and to just give people an idea of what that is. Uh, my hometown was a you know minute away from West Virginia and also Pennsylvania. Uh, the Ohio River runs through it. Uh, it's really politically interesting. Uh, it's a mix of Appalachia and the Rust Belt, uh, so it's different from the coal fields. But there's a lot of you know steel mills and all that in this area. And of course, it was really hard hit when all of those closed. Um, you know, I grew up in all of that. Left for about ten years and then came back. And, you know, in, in those 10 years, I had a lot of political jobs um, and, you know, got started politically growing up here just because uh, there is so much devastation in the Rust Belt. And when you're growing up in it, you're like, well, why, you know, why is it like this? And that set me down this, this path of politics. So this is all leading up to the TikTok, of course. Uh, but you know, I, I came back after about 10 years away and, uh, the, you know, of course, Donald Trump had happened and uh, I'm always interested in how to advocate for places like this. And, you know, we all went inside in COVID and I started doing that on TikTok and that's the real truncated version. Okay. Gotcha. So, yeah. um, 
So, and maybe you can fill us in, uh, us West Coasters. Um, uh, Appalachia seems like it's almost every state in the in the East Coast um, claims Appalachia. <laughs> it's like I know it's a big mountain yeah, range, yeah, yeah. but like, where does it go? Is it goes all the way up to Pennsylvania, and then how far south does it go officially? Yeah, there is some debate over uh, what is included in Appalachia, even among the people here. But I mean, the largest definition would be from like the southern tier of New York State. Uh, stretching all the way down to like the top, northern Alabama. Um, so, you know, if you're going by the Appalachian Regional Commission, that's the map that you would have in mind. Uh, but of course, it's not all the same. Um, you know, it it, it varies, uh, can vary, you know, from hill to hill, right? Um, and the part that I'm in is really Rust Belt, um, you know, I'm in Ohio right now, but like I said, we're one minute away from West Virginia. And uh, the thing that people don't realize about Ohio is it's like three states mushed into one. There's like a a third of it is, and it's all related to the hills, right? Like Appalachia is like hills. And about a third of Ohio is hilly. uh, And it's culturally completely different from the rest, which I would, you know, lump in with, uh, I, you know, from Indiana to Iowa, Ohio is more similar to that, but that's, that's a little chunk of Appalachia. Gotcha. Okay. It always confuses me. It's like, so, so big. (laughs) Yes. But it it is interesting though. Like I think I just feel like rural America has a lot in common, no matter where you go. You know, if you're talking like Arizona, Appalachia, Washington state, and if you're in rural America, it has a similar feel wherever you're at, you know? Yeah, I am a huge country music fan. And I mean, I, I really I go back to the 30s, and 40s and 50s, like all of it. And I even have guilty pleasures, you know, of a radio country today. But uh, there was a pretty poppy and terrible radio country song that was saying that uh, country is countrywide. Yeah, it's yeah. similar rural areas. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, um, one of the things I, I, I've liked about what you have to say is um, when you do a lot of breakdowns, uh, you, you don't shy away from the, the S word socialism um, and you, you do a lot yeah. of breakdowns of wealth and uh, wealth inequality. And uh, for me, that is like the hugest thing. So I grew up um, in, in, in pretty rural, not not super rural. Um, Carson City, when I was growing up, was about 30,000 people. Yeah. So kind of in that weird middle. We're about 60,000 mm-hmm. now. Um, but but um, Reno is a bigger town. But the whole area of northern Nevada is very rural, um, pretty desolate and a lot of poverty and a lot of a lot of the same problems that other places have. Um, but I, I just like this um, this this idea of like breaking down uh, income inequality. And, and that's the, yeah. the main core of the issue of what's happening in America uh, with with, the, with poor people in, in big cities and in rural America. And um, I just love this, the breakdown you do of the, the billions versus millions. And you have a couple different comparisons. Yeah. And I was wondering if you could talk about that and, and maybe why. Uh, you think people um, have a hard time grasping um, how big a billion is? Yeah, I I don't think we're meant to really understand numbers that big, especially when it comes to to money. And uh, I've been doing a lot of different topics that have gotten away from some of those easy to contextualize uh, comparisons. So I might mess them up. But you know, the difference between a billion and a million, uh, I think a, a million seconds is like 32 days and a, a billion seconds is like 32,000 years. It's a, it's, it's huge, the scale, right? And, and that's just a single billion, you know, we are living in a reality where a handful of people have hundreds of billions of dollars. I mean, I like to throw out the example of Elon Musk, who recently lost 
$200 billion in the stretch of a couple of months and was still the second richest man on earth after that. And you, you know, mentioned the S word socialism. I, I did not start out with socialism, right? It's just like when you start talking about wealth inequality and how you correct the balance of power between billionaires and people who have to clock in to work for a living, um, it's pretty easy to arrive there, which is what I did. I mean, when you grow up in a rural area like the Ohio Valley, my county that I'm in right now, voted for Trump by 71%. Like talking favorably about socialism comes about as naturally as walking outside with clothes without clothes on, you know? <laughs> so I, I didn't kind of shoehorn other things to, to fit that. Uh, it's just most of, you know, my own personal uh ideas about what do we do about this ridiculous reality when you say them out loud they happen to be what socialism is <laughs> so i think um tiktok is a really good opportunity to kind of talk about that honestly uh and demystify it and take away some of the scare factor that's been around that word and to you know just end this little rant um, there's all kinds of history um, that happened about 100 years ago, and specifically in West Virginia, um, around socialism that's more and more relevant um, today, especially as wealth inequality gets really bad. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I like the comparison of um, there's there's a thousand a billion is a thousand millions, and uh, you put it you yeah. pointed out in a video that if you earned a million dollars a day, it would take you a thousand days to earn one billion. You know, it's just those little comparisons that you're just like, I mean, how do you even wrap your brain around that? You know, the yeah, you can't. It's unimaginable, but it's literally what we're living in, and we shouldn't have to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I teach, uh, I teach us history and psychology. And, uh, when I'm teaching us history and talking about, um, uh, wealth inequality and stuff, I try and come up with different ways to help the kids conceive of that. Cause it's, it's so unimaginable, yeah. uh, for sure. So what kind of, what, what led you down the political path, um, that you ended up on? I have my own uh, story yeah. of, of working for FedEx and, and feeling like a cog in the machine and, um, kind of turned me on to, to, um, uh, Howard Zinn and, and uh, people's history, but I'm interested yeah. in, in uh, like, what, what was your path into uh, the politics you're into now? Oh, well, I grew up on a farm, um, and I really liked working in a farm shop when I was a kid. And I got obsessed when I was like 13 years old with cooking biodiesel fuel. Um, like I found a recipe on the internet and I started cooking this stuff on, on a hot plate when I was a teenager and by, and then I really got obsessed with it. And by the time I was about to graduate high school or, you know, 16, I guess, uh, I had welded up this huge machine that made like 250 gallons of this biodiesel fuel per day. And then, um, you know, I talked about the Ohio Valley where I grew up. We are always getting, you know, Appalachia is really defined by extractive industry. We always get these huge industries that, that, that richer communities kick out and they're always after our resources and they always take them and they say there's going to be tons of wealth and it never happens. Well, when I was cooking up, you know, this biofuel, uh, uh, one of these companies came into town and they'd been kicked out by richer communities and their idea was to turn coal into liquid fuel 
and there was a big town hall at my high school. And I just went down there and I was like, this is just more of the same. They're going to come in with a dirty industry. It's not even going to create that many jobs. There hasn't been much wealth. And I am 16 years old making biofuel in the barn. Like, why can't we do that? You know, it just didn't make sense to me as a kid. But that was kind of the first time, um, you know, being involved directly in politics uh, in my town locally. And yeah, you know, you get bit by a bug and it led to 10 years of heartbreak. (laughs) (laughs) So that that was the first time. Did you go to college? Yeah, I did. And uh, I, you know, I went to public school. I had 55 kids in my graduating class. I was not a really great student, but I, I did really get obsessed with this biodiesel machine and it punched a ticket eventually to Cornell. Okay. And that's what I went to. Gotcha. What, uh, did, did you graduate there? What, what was your, what were you majoring in there? Yep. Graduated and it was agricultural sciences. Okay. So, um, right after that, I spent seven seasons, uh, growing produce and, uh, that didn't pay very much money. So I, uh, started a stump grinding business to pay for my farming <laughs> habits. <laughs> Nice. I like that. That's funny. I was, I was yeah. in, in agriculture. My, my first major was that too. I was in oh, um, nice. rangeland management was my first major in college. Um, no so, way. Hey, I learned, uh, I learned how to make a million bucks in farming. You know how to do that? How's that? Start out with 5 million. <laughs> That's the trick. It's so bad. That's the only joke I have. <laughs> That's a good, that's a good Appalachian joke. I like that. There you uh, go. But yeah, I was going to, uh, my plan was to work for the, uh, the BLM. There's a lot of BLM land here in Nevada. Oh yeah. And so I wanted to be outside. I was really into hunting and fishing and hiking and all that. And so I wanted to, to have a career that was, you know, part of that. So, um, yes. but I got sidetracked, ended up teaching and, um, I, I love teaching, I've been doing it for 20 years now. Hey, that's probably, you know, the most noble profession I could think back to I mean, teachers are just so influential when you're forming yourself, you know, I can think of a couple for me right now. So good on you. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And same too. I got, there was a couple guys who uh, stood out to me and, and kind of, that's what made me want to be a teacher was cool teachers that I had in high school. So yeah, big time. They should have billions of dollars. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be down. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, um, I wanted to talk about um, uh, some of the stuff that's going on in the world today um, that uh, that that connect to all the stuff that you talk about on your TikTok channel. Um, that Oliver Anthony song that came out um, kind of yeah. took the world by storm last week, and uh, turns out that it was it was an astroturf campaign. You know, that Dan Bongino was behind, and 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 that makes sense. You know, considering like how big of a fire it lit. Um, not to say that he doesn't have talent. Not to say that he doesn't have a great voice. All that stuff, um, and and actually, from the left side of the of the aisle, a lot of people I saw were like, "I'm down with like eighty percent of this song." Um, you just yeah. you, you get off into this weird, you know, blaming the poor stuff, and that's where I'm I'm not down right. with you. But um, yeah, I was just wondering, uh, uh, kind of your take on that and um, how that song resonated with you, and what are, what are your uh, what are your thoughts on that song? Yeah, I. Um I'm working on it just before we joined the podcast. I'm working on a video about that too. And um, I have a couple of takes here. I mean, the, the the first one, though, you know, plenty of people have dragged the blaming the poor thing and as they should. It was a huge, huge whiff. I think uh, my biggest critique uh, applies both to his song, 
but also a lot of the liberal response, like in big media think pieces to this song, because both in the song and in these like more liberal, you know, like large write-ups of it, uh, the obvious villains are never named, you know, like from the big liberal think pieces, you get the finger wagging about blaming the poor, which, uh, which should happen. I will wag my finger at that all day, you know, but that loses a lot. That just turns into figure wagging. If you don't follow it up with an accurate assessment of blame for the, for the villains that, you know, had they made their way into the song, it would have been perfect. You know, like you're saying 80% of it, it's a killer title. It's a, you know, great concept, but then it took this huge, you know, just built it right up and we were ready to lay blame and there's no shortage of it. You know, the, uh, the, the Sacklers, right. I mean, this family behind opioid pills, there's all kinds of examples for them. But my favorite is that they pumped 5 million pills into one town of 400 people in Kermit, West Virginia, you know, and they knew it was addictive, right? There's a villain for you. Another there's Appalachian villains all day long, DuPont, right? You and I are talking, everybody is listening to this. We all have DuPont's chemical in our blood. It's in the blood of 99.7% of people on earth. They knew it caused cancer and they're still in business. You know, the point is um, this guy missed the obvious blame for, for villains that, you know, uh, are causing strife in his life and everybody else who has to work for a living. But also uh, the think pieces that just slammed it to no end uh, missed all the villains too. And there is, uh, and, and that brings me to the last, the, the last thing about the song. Uh, and it's more of a critique of these, these liberal pieces that, uh, you know, miss blame. Um, it's that, um, you know, there is clearly from the numbers that the song did, it's a smash hit of uh you know for for people in the working class i mean this thing went across uh, it was 33 million views on youtube it cut across race lines there's a lot of people reacting to it on youtube that are you know not your typical country music fans to me a labor leftist that signifies that there's an appetite out there for a working class movement to reign in the rich and this song came close to it and just tanked right into the fudge rounds but i think uh you know it should it shouldn't just be completely in the trash bin there should be uh, this should serve as a big sign that people are fed up with this stuff you know i think it struck that chord and there's there's something to work with there yeah absolutely you know in, in 2016 it was it was it was bernie versus hillary and 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 bernie was um uh, coalescing a huge part of the uh, populist left and 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 i think showing that there there is an appetite for that that people are pretty sick and tired of, of, of politicians, you know, like politicians are kind of an easy thing to blame for sure. But like, yeah, I mean, there's a reason they should be to blame the the Sacklers can only do what they did and and it's evil and horrible Mm -hmm. because politicians allow them to, because they donate so much money to them, you know? And and you're totally right that there's this, there, there is a, there's a populist right and a populist left movement happening. It's too bad that the MAGA movement, um, uh, took this fascist turn, you know, and and that's what populist that does populism does on the right often. Um, but, but, but nonetheless, there's still uh, millions and millions of people who feel left out from the system and um, and are, are getting hosed and and all that. And doesn't seem to be 
a real voice speaking for him. And and I agree with you about the uh, the the think pieces that it, it it does feel very elitist. It feels very like yeah. East Coast, you know, like you guys are journalists, you know, and you spend all day on Twitter and you never actually go to these towns and don't know what it's like to grow up in these towns. And I, I, I'm totally with you. It seems ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, and you know, uh, I can create. You know, I'm on. I'm uh, more on the side of the people who wrote these think pieces, right? You know, like I've been in uh, democratic circles. I've worked on presidential campaigns. You know, uh, I've I've worked with the Democrats before, right? And I think uh, that they need to recognize uh, that you know songs like this. Um, uh, while they, you know, take a really unhelpful detour and they're astroturfy and everything, sometimes they uncover this massive popular will and you shouldn't throw that baby out with the bathwater. It should be a sign that, uh, okay, hey, let's offer a real, you know, labor left anti-establishment alternative um, that this song uncovered, that there's an appetite for. That's what I would hope. Yeah, Totally. All right, that's a great segue to it. Another question I had, Ashley, since we're shitting on liberals, uh, we can keep going. <laughs> uh, my wife was uh, was saying that she was reading the comment section in the video that you did about um, yeah. uh, the fundraiser in Trump country, um, where you know they raised money for that that family that lost their house, and oh, yeah. and uh, she was saying um, she was just telling me last night she said I was I was reading through the comments. Which is funny. I never read comments, but she, she I don't know. Some people do. Some people don't. I, I never do it. But um, she was like, there's so many liberals in the comments that are just like, well, yeah, but they're still going to vote for Trump and like talking crap about. And, and she was like, I'm and both of us are super left wing. But um, she's like, I'm so annoyed with these people. Like, sh like, this is yeah. like a dope thing that shows that we have values that cross political lines. Like, don't you get what he's trying to say? And, and she was just so frustrated with it. And so um, I was just wondering if you get a lot of that in your comment section or what you think about about that yeah yeah i do and um it varies it depends on the video like uh recently i worked with more perfect union and uh, uh which if listeners don't know them they're a good outlet to go follow uh but we had a a, a great team uh cameraman and i nehemiah stark we went up to a trump rally in area pennsylvania and we talked basically socialism without the s word attached to it and we got some really interesting responses uh but the comment section there was a lot different it was like oh man you know there appears to be unity here that's what we need like let's go in that direction and kind of pursue that um but uh, the same thing was was present there too and uh i think it's you know for everybody uh, that is not on the right you know just different shades of left I think it is important to recognize whenever we are playing into working class division, because, you know, it doesn't matter how the division happens. We are in a world where, just like we talked about at the top of the show, there are so many billions up at the top and it kind of blurs class lines too like the working class now it's it's less the working or the middle or the lower middle or the upper middle if you have to go to work you're in this working class right and whenever you're looking at trump voters and you're saying oh look at these zoo animals they're such idiots that functionally you know is working class division and who does that serve it's just the billionaires at the top right there's obvious nuance here like we don't want to 
get into a situation where we're bending over backwards to, you know, reach out to people so far down a fascist rabbit hole that it's not even worth it. Um, but I think the more immediate threat is looking at people who share a lot of opinions with people who aren't on the right um, that could be brought into the same boat and completely change our politics. But for that to ever happen, you need to first not think they're an idiot. <laughs> and yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's usually where the comment section is. <laughs> Recognize their humanity. You know, I, I've had all kinds of conversations with uh, with um, uh, people on the right, Trump supporters. Um, I, what I found, and I don't know if this is similar for you, is that when you get away from the buzzwords and when you get away from yeah. Fox and and that whole you know infrastructure, um, and you just talk person to person, we end up you know, arriving at a lot of the same conclusions. You know, for sure, and. Um, it's crazy how uh, that that person-to-person human uh, connection is rare in politics. Like, how many times does that happen? You know, we're kind of self-sorting into cities and communities. We are siloed on the internet, and it makes it a lot easier uh, to just construct this image of this 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 cartoon of everybody who's not like you that might not. You know, that might fall apart when you have a face-to-face conversation. And uh, I do think that's a really Im- important point uh, that works both ways. You know, if, if somebody's out with uh, – I used to see this in the bar a lot, actually. Like, I, I live uh, uh, above the bar, and this, this is – you know, I, I moved bars, but for a year I worked in a, a dive bar in the Rust Belt in a county that went for Trump by 71%. But also, uh, we're right next to Wheeling, West Virginia, which is home to West Virginia's first and only elected uh, transgender person who is a personal friend and used to come into my bar and drink all the time. And I have a handful of transgender friends around here who would come into this bar, which is very Trumpy, and drink right next to, for example, a guy who the first day I met him showed me a uh, his liquor cabinet that was also assault rifle themed, you know? (laughs) And so like this guy and a handful of transgender redneck people are all in a bar, you know, they're, they're out and proud and not hiding anything. Uh Uh, But even in the presence of alcohol and nighttime, uh, you know, it's, it's not blowing up like you would expect it to, if you only read comment sections or uh, watched cable news. Again, I don't want it all to be, you know, sunshine and rainbows here. Like there are very, very important things. Um, you know, people walking into a Trump rally are empowering a man who's would come for us all if left to his own devices, starting with the least powerful first. But the personal interaction breaks down a lot of uh, difference. Yeah. Yeah, I I love the. I, I wish I could go to your bar. It, um, it uh, when I saw the the videos, that's one of the first things I, I started following you because I was. Uh, it, it looks just like the dive bar that I go to here in my town. It's called the Tap Shack. Oh, I love them. And it's just it's, it, like you would like. Show What's it called? The Tap Shack. Oh, nice. Yeah. What's the price on a uh, beer? Just a you know regular light. Um, I think if you're going like light, like. Light. Yeah, it's it, the like if you go on like PBR, uh, is usually what I get. Um, it's like yeah. I think it's around like like three bucks now. Uh, but they do like specials nice. on a, on a shot and a beer uh, kind of deal. Um, it's if it's got a shot and a beer, it's perfect yeah. already. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, ours is a we have a 
you know, the, the lower class of beers. We got our, we got our bushes and our natties. Those are a buck 75. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> We're closer to California. So I think our prices are a bit higher here. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Inflation missed the Ohio Valley. Yeah. <laughs> God, inflation's been nuts around here. It's it's terrible. But, oh yeah. Um, but yeah, I just love like it, your bar, the, the tap shack. They, they, it just it's a certain you know. There's millions of them across America, and um, yeah. it just felt like dude, that's like th- th- there's something special about you know old man bars like that. Um, I just think that they're oh, yeah. they're, they're 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 cool places to be. Yeah, it's wonderful. I mean, the stories in there too are crazy. I mean, our, our coolers were literally seventy years old. You know, oh, the wow. coolers are still running. When you go down in the basement and look at the machinery running them, it's like you would expect a a hamster to be running around for a piece of cheese and a wheel, and it's like connected <laughs> to the thing that powers the cooler. You know, but right. uh, hard to replicate. <laughs> totally. I got a buddy who's uh, running shows at uh, at the Tap Shack, and um, last time uh, there was a show there, a fight broke out, and I had to get in the middle of it, and they were like it turned into like two or three fights, and I was like trying to. <laughs> get these guys apart from each other <laughs> it's like yeah oh, always fun yeah there was there's there's only one time when it really boiled over at our bar but even then it wasn't too too serious it was some good clean uh it's the funny thing about it is it's right across the street from a police station <laughs> <laughs> and so i had i had to go outside and uh you know I tackled a guy into a fence. I got thrown on top of a car, but all of the the, the fence was the police station's fence. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it's a small town and everybody knows each other. There might even been a cop involved I, for all I know. Who knows? <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Well, um, I'm a huge fan of nineties country and, uh, you made that video yes. about Travis Tritt and, uh, oh my God, man, that the Trump popping up three times in that video is bonkers. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so much to unpack there, but, um, yeah, I, I was wondering if you could talk a little bit, um, one about nineties country, but two about that, that video, um, in particular and, uh, uh, Lord have mercy on the working man. And, um, just what, what happened to Travis Tritt, you know, like, I don't know. It's, it's just bizarre what going on there. Probably, you know, geez, I'm going to speculate on what happened to Travis Tritt, but I would suspect (laughs) that he got rich and he changed his friends. (laughs) Uh, You know, that's that's what it seems like to me. But uh, man, do I love 90s country and you're going to have to rein me in on this. I already get long winded, but I'll I'll try to keep it short. Go for it. Um, I have this grand theory. uh, It's not mine. I mean, you know ideas float around right and i'm sure people have had this one but country music really changed with 911 mm. you know yeah the like the end of 90s country you know it happened yeah uh, with 911 and when you know toby keith famously screamed about putting the boots in the asses of <laughs> everybody who's not america right right <laughs> And, uh, but you know, before that song, Lord have mercy on the working man. Uh, it's excellent. And if people want to, this shame, shameless plug, but I have a playlist on Spotify. It's in, it's in uh, my social media link, Okay. Uh, but it's called country for commies. <laughs> and it's, yeah, it's a catalog of, of about a hundred kind of left leaning, uh, country songs. And this one, I don't think it's set out to do that, but it's mm-hmm. called Lord have mercy on the working man. It's by Travis Tritt. And, you know, it's uh, one of the refrains is they're billing me for killing me. I mean, it's chock full of all these like populist lefty anthems. And as those are being sung, 
uh, Donald Trump is on the screen of the mu- music video being Donald Trump. <laughs> <laughs> and now, you know, if you tune into any social media by Travis Tritt, it's just the Donald Trump show. Right. Um, but, uh, yeah, what happened there? I don't know. But, you know, I think money's pretty powerful. I know Travis Tritt lives in a big old mansion. He probably has a couple houses. But, mm-hmm. you know, when you forget the roots, uh, I think it rots your brain. It <laughs> turns you into a shitty person. <laughs> but, uh, you know, even so, I still really enjoy uh probably shouldn't but i do really enjoy some travis Tritt bangers <laughs> yeah oh this is all good man there's so many good songs the 90s yeah and oh I, yeah I, uh yeah i, I want to talk about the 9-11 thing but um uh but yeah i think there there is a in the i don't know there's different names for it but the americana um uh, kind of world yeah. you know that jason isbell and sturgill and all that um there there, there seems to be um a, a 90s country kind of vibe happening I'm, I'm i'm hearing it in a lot of the music and american aquarium uh, put out um some cover a couple cover albums of 90s uh, country songs and uh th- there is a kind of a a bit of a resurgence and a reflection on 90s country because it was honestly just fun like it wasn't political it wasn't so good and it's just like you hear yeah. it it still sounds fun and still danceable and if you want to go line dance to it that's great you know and it, the whole thing is just amazing yeah 90s country i mean it was like tongue-in-cheek and kind of like nostalgic but in a wholesome way uh there wasn't like the jingoism we'll put a boot in your ass and take all your oil i hope i can cuss on your show oh yeah Yeah, feel free free. (laughs) okay yeah 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 uh and um you know i'm getting into speculation territory without evidence but i would I, i would guess that you know uh as consolidation and like corporatization and monopolization took over radio country. I think that that changed what was being put in front of us. And then when 9-11 happened and you had this huge appetite for, um, there was a couple evolutions. First, it was like the boot in the ass thing, you know, beat your chest about America then that kind of evolved into after you know after five or six years of that we got into the like listing your identity country it was like this this song is a list of how to be country if you want to do that you need a truck beers girls tailgates lakes you know whatever it is and and i think all of that kind of fed into this national machine um that you know had more had fewer and fewer companies that were larger and larger kind of you know man we're really i'm really spinning off now but we we all think we live in like this free market right but the market is invented by somebody and the choices that we have we have so many choices right but all of those choices are made by somebody you you your songs allowed on the radio and your songs not like now tiktok and and you know the the evolved internet has kind of like broken that down as we've seen in like oliver anthony you can just leapfrog that and find an audience but i think uh, before that it was really country music hit a low point where it was just 
whatever Nashville record executives thought would sell to people who are driving around trucks that haul groceries and get parked in like a gated suburb. And that was like a low point. Um, but, uh, you know, the now we're in this period where you have Sturgill and you have Tyler. The last time that I had so much fun in country music was when Alan Jackson was like riding a jet ski with jeans on, you know, and in between there, in between there, I feel like it was all just Nashville country. That was the product of like monopolization and a couple people at the top choosing what America got to hear. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. I think, too, mixed with the, the 9-11 thing, there was just this palpable anger uh, in America um, that, that yeah. happened. I remember um, the, on 9-11, um, I went to a, a candlelight like vigil. Uh, I was at, at yeah. um, UNR going to, to college at the time. And I remember it was it was great and it was like unifying. And then um, they, they did like an open mic thing and let people just come up and speak. And I was like, oh, that's a bad idea. Like, this, <laughs> this is not the time for that. But they, they let people come up. And, and one of the first dudes just started just ranting about these fucking muslims and just going off and then oh, i was like yeah. whoa and and you could just feel it and like it, that sort of that anger just kind of like you yeah. know, went into society and you see it in in um toby keith you know he goes from uh he had yeah. a he had a great 90s country tune and should have been a cowboy oh. that song's fucking oh. rap I love 90s toby keith is so different than <laughs> post 9 11 toby yeah. keith boomtown Oh my God! Listen yeah. to that record; it's so great. It's great, and then yeah, and then it takes this angry turn, and you see it in in rock music, Limp Bizkit and Kid Rock, oh. and all that shit starts just being like like middle fingers everywhere, you know. And you're just like, what the hell happened? Just it, it, it did this whole angry turn, you know. I, I think you're right about all the consolidation and whatnot, but there was there was this palpable anger in the country as well, and and it, they just kind of threw fi- uh, fuel on that fire, you know. Yeah, yeah, it, it got less fun there. It became, you know. Uh, Tim McGraw was, was great. Um, yeah, I think like, I think Garth Brooks's rise there really kind of paved the way for, uh, post nine 11 country to gallop, you know, it was like Garth Brooks walked. So post nine 11 country could run. Uh, but yeah, it was definitely, you can, you can, you can see it in, in the vibe of nineties country. And just right after that, it kind of, it kind of took a turn, but you know, um, I've always been a big Chris Stapleton fan and I feel like he was the one that really kicked up, you know, Chris, Chris Stapleton kind of did the same thing. He walked so that, you know, like Tyler Sturgill, Jason Isbell and Jason Isbell has been, is on the Mount Rushmore of country for me. Uh, but I think, you know, like Chris kind of broke through and really made a market for that. And it's almost like he hit the airwaves and we were like, holy shit, this country music that I listened to before this really sucked. (laughs) And all of a sudden it's like, please give me more of that. And, um, you know, too, it comes back. I I feel like country music tracks with politics so much, you know, it's like now um, there are positive role models in country music that aren't just about shooting a case of Bud Light. It's about like, you know, community and mutual aid and, you know, telling the stories that happened a hundred years ago of, you know, miners joining together and having solidarity. Like there's all a place now for that in country music. And I feel like that helps, uh, 
that's a language that a lot of people understand um, where you can sneak. This is one of the things that I try on my TikTok channel. It's like when your dog is sick and it has to take medicine and it doesn't want to, you wrap it in cheese. You know, when Tyler Childers writes like a love song about coal miners that happen to be gay, it's like that is a message that will not fly, you know, if it's not delivered by Tyler Childers. And even then it was like, you know, kind of a a little bit of a backlash, but I think new country kind of serves that role. And yeah. It's important. Absolutely. And yeah, and there's so many of those artists that are, that are doing even like a Zach Bryan, you know, who, who um, yeah. blew up and got huge. He, he, he hasn't been like political really in any way, um, which is, is fine and great. I, I, I like that. But um, his new album, just the, the, the featuring artists that, that are on there um, yeah. is like the Warren Treaty, which is, you know, a black gospel duo, uh, Sierra Farrell, who kind of, I don't know oh. her sexuality, but she kind of, she kind of codes kind of, you know, queer kind of like whatever, like just, but her voice is amazing, you know, it's so cool and Casey Musgraves who's been really uh, outspoken about uh, supporting the gay community and then just having like female vocalists on there I just think that 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 you know he's not having Jason Aldean on it on there he's not featuring guys yeah. like that and I think that says something you know and I think people are, are are here for it his audiences are are bonkers you know yeah yeah Brandy Carlisle the high, the high women you mentioned mm. Sierra if your listeners have not listened to Sierra Farrell oh my god go do it right now uh, I got yeah. to see her at Red Wing Roots oh, and nice. man great stuff couldn't be more excited about uh, Sierra Farrell yeah from West Virginia too Charleston yeah yeah, she's fantastic. I haven't seen her yet, um, uh, but uh, now I'm afraid she's going to be so big it'll be hard to get tickets. You know? <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah. I, lu- I lucked out. Uh, she was not the headliner. as a small venue. It's perfect. Yeah, that's cool. All right. Well, thanks for talking about '90s country, man. I love it. <laughs> you could talk about it. Oh yeah, bit. yeah. I have a I have a conspiracy theory about '90s country. Are you ready? Yeah, yeah. Hit it. Um, I'm. I will die on the hill that I think Alan Jackson's blonde mullet. Uh, was sewn onto his white cowboy hat. I think that's what happened. <laughs> Is that how he kept it on in the uh, water skiing video? Yeah, yeah. I think the mullet goes with the hat. If it flew off, he'd be uh, he'd just be bald. Maybe uh, <laughs> like Samson and loses power. <laughs> yeah, I think so. That's funny. Oh, no, it probably is Samson. Maybe he is. I don't know. <laughs> I like that. All right. Well, you're, uh, you've are you been working with uh, More Perfect Union, which you mentioned uh, earlier. And um, I was wondering if you could just uh, talk about that partnership and what's going on with that and what can we expect um, in the future from that? Yeah, More Perfect Union has been a godsend, honestly. Um, and I think they're serving a really important role in uh, new media. You know, we have had 50 years of this right-wing bullhorn that for the most part has been unanswered. And that was really deliberately designed. You know, like if you trace back the creation of any right-wing channel, I mean, it was, it was people meeting in a room, like planning this out and it's been blaring for 50 years. It's 24 seven on every device. It's it's funded by billionaires and they have focus groups to figure out the things that get working class people to fight each other the best. And we are living in the world that they created. So, uh, you know, in, in forever, I mean, they just invented, they, they justified their own existence by inventing liberal media. They said, Hey, all of the media that is uh, here right now is liberal. So we have to be conservative to balance it out. 
and has made it up. And then the response from all the media that was there was like, wait, 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 we're not liberal. We'll hire a bunch of conservative people to prove it for you. And, you know, right there, uh, it was a complete change in the world. And, you know, uh, so for the longest time, at least to me, it felt like you have this right-wing bullhorn, and then the only other alternative is legacy media tripping over itself to try and prove, uh, disprove the allegation that it's liberal. And and by doing that, they became more conservative. And uh, as our problems intensified, as the middle class died and the wealth that used to be in it trickled up to, you know, a thousand people that are unimaginably rich. The only journalism we could get from that was a view from nowhere. Uh, some say it might be good. Some say it might be bad. Why I like outlets like More Perfect Union is that it's a view from somewhere. And that somewhere is that, uh, hey, guys, it probably isn't the best idea for a thousand people to have all our money. And um, I think that's really, really important if we're ever going to expect to solve any number of problems we have now that are uh, so large and, and demand if they're ever going to be solved for people to, you know, pick a side and say what's right and wrong. Um, I think TikTok is really interesting for that. Um, you know, the left, I'm using air quotes right now to say everybody who's not right, um, has always said that, you know, we need a media channel to answer Fox News, right? Uh, well, now we have, you know, just my account. I'm one guy sitting in an apartment. I have a bar job to like pay my bills. Um, but just this one account is, you know, generating 20 million views regularly a year and you can do it on your phone there's 10,000 accounts like that how many views are they producing if you add them all together i think that is a really really significant thing and when it can be formalized into a group like more perfect union who's consistently putting that stuff out with an alternative view that hasn't been represented in years i think that's the kind of thing that can help uh, turn it around yeah. So what all, what type of media are they doing? Are they on YouTube and TikTok and are, are they kind of doing everything? Yep. They're all over the place. Every, every social media platform, um, YouTube is where, uh, the big projects I've worked on have been successful. And again, that's, uh, that's another person just like me. His name's Nehemiah Stark, the cameraman. He was a freelancer. We both got picked up by MPU. And, you know, the first thing was being sent out to cover East Palestine. And most recently was this uh, talking socialism to people in a Trump rally. That's going to become a series. And uh, I'm just really glad that that kind of stuff has a home and people who will, you know, pay really well for it. Yeah, that's cool. I like that. Yeah, any plans to uh, do anything with music in that? Oh, uh, well, if I was good at that, uh, I would, but, um, I, uh, not, not have you played making, the drums since I was a kid, not you but, making music, uh, but like doing something with the channel, like talking to musicians and artists and stuff like that. That's kind of what I meant by that. I, I would love to do that, but man, would I love to be a famous musician? So I might even pitch <laughs> that now, you know, you yeah. got my wheels turning. <laughs> no, um, I think that would be, you know, they're very open to pitches like that. And, um, you know, that made me think of there's, there's just so many people doing interesting media projects. 
Frank Capello is another guy uh, who's working with an outlet similar to More Perfect Union called The Lever. He's got a podcast called Movies Versus Capitalism. And it's kind of like how pop culture and movies, you know, manufacture public approval of, you know, the system that we live in. I think you could do a similar thing to music, like you're saying, and, mm. and that would be a welcome, welcome addition. Yeah. Also, is that a cello in the background yep. that you have there? Yep. Yeah. You're a musician. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I play, uh, that's my fifth instrument that I learned how to play. Um, about a year and a half ago, I started playing cello. Yeah, nice. So I'm mainly a guitar player, um, guitar, bass, drums, piano, and now cello as well. So ah, Very nice. Once I up my drumming skills, we'll start a band. That'll be our second episode. <laughs> yeah, I like it. That'd be good. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's how I, that's why I started the show. I started a radio show about five years ago. Um, community radio station opened up here in my town, uh, KNVC, and uh, started doing that and then started doing interviews with uh, musicians coming through town. Um, my first one was with Tom Russell, who's a kind of a Western cowboy kind of dude. And uh, nice. just kind of kept going from there. And um, over the, the last five years, I've gotten to talk to Patterson Hood from Drive-By Truckers, Amanda Shires. Um, oh my God! Yeah. Todd Snyder, um, Colin Hay. I mean, it's it's it just kind of like every. I just keep throwing stuff out. That Dropkick Murphys. I talk to them about that Woody oh, Guthrie nice. album they put out. Um, it's it's been cool, and it's that whole kind of new media thing that you're talking about, where um, the the there's the gatekeepers left, and you can kind of make a way. You know, you can you can connect with people and do stuff. So it's it's been an interesting journey so far. Yeah, and that in itself is very populist. Like I, you know, the internet has many different sides that cut all kinds of ways. But like I think that example is really good that anybody out there can, you know, put their put their stuff out and have, you know, an impact. Um sometimes it doesn't work out so hot, but I think in this case, like you're talking about, it's good. Yeah. For sure. All right. Well, I'm looking forward to see what you do with more perfect union. I've liked what you've done so far. Um, the, the, the Trump rally video was really good and, um, yeah, I sent it to some friends yeah. and they all liked it as well. Ah, thanks man. Yeah. I think that'll become serious. Um, and you know, beyond just the stuff that I work with, I mean, more perfect union reaches out to a, a, a lot of just independent folks like me. So they have a ton of other stuff to check out. That's all pretty good. Mm -hmm. Cool. All right, man. Well, uh, that kind of wraps up the questions I had for you, but, uh, thanks for joining me. It was great chatting with you. Yeah, man. No, great to come on the show. Uh, love the channel too. And, uh, thanks for having me on. Yeah. Maybe we'll have to uh, connect again and just talk nineties country. That'll be the whole, the whole topic. Yeah. Check out the, uh, country for commies list and make some additions. We need to keep it growing. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. All right, man. Well, have a good rest of your day and, uh, good luck with all your projects. Thanks, Will. You too. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. Just a quick reminder to follow me on social media, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. Like and subscribe to the show wherever you're listening to this. Leave a rating and tell a friend. Also, big thanks to Charlie Marks for providing the music for the show. Until next time, everybody. Have a good one.